Hello and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Religions, Machines and the Refugees and the Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate your presence. Thank you and I hope you had a great weekend. Um, I had a really calm weekend over here. It was hot, but beautiful. And I thank the heavens and the energies of this earth for giving us a beautiful weekend, a beautiful summer. It's been absolutely great and I am uh, so grateful and thankful to have this bounty, this uh, energy, uh, good health. And we forget, we always grumble, but we forget to say thank you. So thank you to the earth and the energies of the cosmos for giving me this ability, this power to enjoy uh, abundance, bounty of, of good health, of good weather, um, and surrounded by love. So today we're going to do something uh, special. We've touched on it before, but it's a book uh, by an author. I'm sure all of you have heard about it. He's called Robert Spencer. He deals only with Islam. He's an Islamic critic. Um, I don't really follow him. I've seen his videos, listened to it, researched some of his videos um, on Islam. And he's not wrong, but he's not... Uh, you know, when someone is uh, centric on only one thing, and he doesn't go the whole nine yards. He doesn't give you the chain of events from before, after, the currents that form the waves. Because we're not just a label. We're currents and waves, as, I, as I've always said. Uh, it's our currents that form our waves. It's not the waves that form our currents. And everything's linked. Every, every, every wave is a um, continuation of something previously uh done and recycles cycles of the cycles 4.5 billion years six billion years of cycles uh we come to the beach the wave dies down goes back into the ocean and we're the same ocean uh so when you just dwell on something it, it sort of bugs me a little bit but anyway this book has been very very um productive or should i say uh, out there and a lot of people have talked about it so i said we'll do a little review on it uh the book is called did muhammad exist an inquiry into Islam's obscure origin, revised and expanded version. We've spoken about Islam, we've spoken about different aspects of Islam. Um, we've talked about this a lot, but I will go through this book with you. Did Muhammad exist? Let's start with my answer. The answer is no. Okay. There was a man, but his name was never Muhammad. Okay. Um, and the reason is, uh, there's no word Muhammad in the Quran. Absolutely none. There are four mentions, four uh, surahs, so, sorry, four ayahs, uh, and neither of them say Muhammad. They say Muhammadun, Muhammadin, Muhammadun, Muhammadun. And these are adjectives. So Muhammad, uh, the prophet did not exist. There was a man. He had a different name. We don't know his name. Thank God we don't know his name because then we can't play divide and rule with him. Okay, because then we'll be playing Mahad. Divide and rule us versus them. It will be so insulting uh, to whoever the man is and his legacy. Uh, I do not believe Islam tells his story. He was someone completely different who did something better than Islam. He, um, But he has nothing to do with Islam, the man behind the title Muhammad. Uh, why do I say that Muhammad doesn't exist? I will tell you later at the end of this po podcast, but we'll go and see what uh, the author Robert Spencer says. Okay, so um, on his uh, preface, the, the return of uh, Muhammad, did Muhammad exist? 
Um, and that's the start of the book, and I'm going to read it to you. The email showed up in my inbox in late July 2015. I suppose you're going to have to retract your book, Did Muhammad Exist?, and withdraw it from circulation, it read. The new Quranic manuscript discovery disappro disapproved everything you wrote about the late origins of the Quran. The email writer was referring to a discovery that was made international headlines and generated considerable excitement at that time. The BBC reported what, what may be the world's oldest fragments of the Quran uh, have been found at the University of Birmingham. The radiocarbon dating found the manuscript to be at least 11, uh, 1370 years old, making it uh, the earliest in existence. Um, the Quran fragments that date from no later than AD 645 were indeed a momentous find. Dr. Muhammad Isa Veli, an expert on, on Quran manuscripts of the British Library, predicted that Muslims would rejoice over this exciting discovery. Susan Worrell of the University of Birmingham said that when the Quran fragments were carbon dated, no one among the staff or researchers of researchers thought in our wildest dreams that it would be turn out to be so ancient. Said Rural, finding out that he was one that we had one of the oldest fragments of the Quran in the whole world has been fantastically exciting. University of Birmingham professor David Thomas said the fragments could well take us back uh, to within a few years of the actual founding of Islam. The person who actually wrote it could well have been the Prophet Muhammad. He would have seen, uh, known the Prophet Muhammad. He would have seen him probably. He would have ma he would maybe have heard him preach. He may have known personally, uh, known him personally, and that really is quite thought a thought to conjure with. Thomas added that parts of the Quran uh, that are written on this parchment can, with a degree of confidence, be dated to less than two decades after Muhammad's death. As far as he was concerned, the fragments concerned the canonical story of the origins of Islam, of the Quran, these portions must have been in the form that is very close to the form of the Quran we read today, supporting the view that the text had undergone little or no alter alteration and that it can be dated to a point very close to the time it was believed to be revealed. All that may be, the BBC also states that these tests provide a range of dates showing that with a, with a probability of more than 95%, the parchment was from 568 AD and 645 AD. Uh, according to the standard mainstream Islamic version of the origins of the, of, of the religion, a version that most historians accept as generally reliable. Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, was born in 569 or 570. Around the year 610, he was visited by the angel Gabriel, who ordered him to recite messages from Allah that were later collected into the Quran. Over the next 23 years, Muhammad's recitations of what the Ga of Gabriel told him were memorized by his followers, with some writing them down. After Muhammad's death in 632, they were collected together to form a Quran, uh, which Muslims consider to be perfect, immutable word of Allah, a perfect copy of the book that he has had with him in paradise forever. If the fragments could date from between 568 and 610, they might not be an early copy of the Quran at all, much less a copy owned by someone who knew Muhammad. 
At the date from the period 568 to 610, these Quran fragments predate the time from which the Quran could possibly even have been written because they were written before Muhammad began to receive the revelations. In that case, they could predate Islam itself. How can the Quran before there how could there be a Quran before there was an Islamic religion? While David Thomas, the other scholars around the world, hailed the discovery as confirmation that the Quranic text had undergone little or no alteration, the fellow who emailed me through the discovery destroyed my entire thesis in the Did Muhammad Exist? Another possibility occurred to me, could these newly discovered fragments actually come from a text that was one, one of the sources used in the compilation of the Quran? Were they, were they not actually confirmation that the Quran had undergone little or no alteration, but rather confirmation that it was not a series of revelations given to Muhammad by Gabriel, but a book compiled by a committee working from existing material and adapting the material to their own purposes. I wrote the first edition of Rob, he, Robert Spencer, wrote the first edition of Did Muhammad Exist? An inquiry into Islam's obscure origins back in 2010-2011. But when those manuscripts came to light, it became clear to me that much more was needed. Now, uh, at last, I have had the opportunity to do so. Uh, so let's go to the chronology of key events in Islam. Six, then, uh, Muhammad receives the first revelation of the Quran from Allah through the angel. Muhammad periodically receives revelations of the Quran 610 to 632. 632, Muhammad dies. 632 to 634, Caliphate of Abu Bakr. 632 to 633, Wars of Apostasy or the Wars of the Rida Wars. 632, December, Battle of Yamuna, death of many who had memorized portions of the Quran according to Islamic tradition. This was the impetus of the first collection of the Quran. 633, Arabian invasion of Iraq. 634, 644, Caliphate of Umar. 636, 637, Arabian conquest of, the, of Syria and Palestine. Christian documents is published that mentions an unnamed and still living Arabian prophet um, armed with sword. Arabian conquest of Armenia in and Egypt in 639. In early 60, 640s, Thomas, a Christian priest, mentions a battle between Byzantines and Tayyip of Muhammad, east of Gaza in Gaza in 634. 644, the Arabian conquest of Persia. 644, 656, the Caliphate of Uthman. 640 to 650, coins struck in Palestine bearing the inscription of Muhammad but depicting the figure holding a cross. 650 to 660s, Arabian conquest of North Africa. 651, Muawiyah, governor of Syria, writes to Byzantine Emperor uh, Constantine, calling him to renounce Jesus and worship the God of Abraham. 653, Uthman collects the Quran, standardizes its text, has the variants burnt, and distributes his version to all Muslim provinces. 654, the Arab conquest of Cyprus and Rhodes. 656-661, Caliphate of Ali. 661-680, Caliphate of Mu Muawiyah. 660 and 670, coins depict Muawiyah holding a cross topped with crescent. 660 and 670, Armenian Bishop Sibatos writes, semi-historical, semi-legendary account of Muhammad, an Arab preacher who taught his people to worship God of Abraham. 
and now and how he led 12,000 Jews along with Arabs to invade Palestine. The Ba 662 Ba'athas in Palestine dedicated the official inscription mentioning Moavia and bearing the cross. 674 uh, the first Arabian siege of Constantinople. 680 anonymous chronicler identifies Muhammad as the leader and the sons of Ishmael whom God sent against the Persians like the sand of the seashore. 680 to 683 caliphate of Yazid one. 680 coins apparently depicting Yazid featuring features a cross. 685 uh, um, Abd Allah as Al-Zubair, rebel ruler of Arabia, Iraq, and Iran, mints coins proclaiming Muhammad as the prophet of Allah. 685 to 6705, Caliphate of, of Abd al-Malik. 619, Nestorian Christians chronicle John Bar-Fenkai, writes of Muhammad's authority and Arabian's brutality. 690, Coptic Christian, uh, Christian bishop John of Nikhil makes the first extant men mention of Muslims, although the earliest available edition of this book dates to 1602 and may have been altered in translation. 691, the Dome on the Rock inscription declares that Muhammad is the servant of God and his messenger, and that the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was only a messenger of God, uh, and features the amalgamation of Quran codes. 696, the first coins appear and do not feature an image of the sovereign that do not feature the Islamic confession of the faith. Uh, 690, according to the very Islamic tradition, Hajj, uh, Hajjaj bin Yusuf, governor of Iraq, collects the Quran, standardizes its text, has variants burnt and distributes his version to all Muslim provinces. 690, Hajjaj bin Yusuf introduces the Quran reading into the mosque worship according to a later Islamic tradition. Uh, 690s, Hajjaj bin Yusuf adds diacritical marks to the text of the Quran, enabling the reader to distinguish between various Arabic con consonants, uh, thereby enabling the reader to make sense of the text. 711 to 718, the Muslim conquest of Spain. 730, Christian writer John of Damascus refers to the Islamic theology in detail and to surahs of the Quran, although not to the Quran by name. 632, sorry, 732 Muslim advances to Western Europe stopped at the Battle of Tours in France. 740 to 750, collection of biographical material and publication of the first biography of Muhammad by Ibn Ishaq, which only now exists in the, from the 9th century version. 750 to the 760s, Malik Ibn Anas compiles the first hadith collection. Uh, 830 to 860, the 6th major hadith collections are compiled and published providing voluminous detail about Muhammad's words and deeds. Um, so that is basically the first um, first 200 years, uh, a little bit more than 200 years of the history of Islam. So Muhammad and his family, according to the Islamic tradition, Muhammad was a son of Abdullah and Amina, Muhammad's paternal grandfather, Abd al-Muttalib had a son, Abbas. His son, Abdullah ibn Abbas, was Muhammad's cousin. Many hadiths are attributed to his uh, as the ultimate source. Uh, Abdullah's brother, Abu, Tabi Abu Talib, was Muhammad's guardian after the deaths of Abdullah and Amina. 
He was also the father of Ali ibn Abi Talib, who was Muhammad's cousin and the founding figure of Shia Islam. Muhammad's first wife, Khadija, had three daughters, Fatima, Zainab, Rukaya. Fatima married Ali ibn Talib and had five children, including the Shiite heroes uh, Hassan and Hussein, who was killed in the Battle of Karbala in 680. That spelled the split between Sunnis, Shiites, and Shias. Rukia married Uthman, who became the third caliph after Abu Bakr and Umar. Ali uh, succeeded the, to the caliphate when Uthman was murdered. When Ali was murdered, Muawiyah, Uthman's cousin, became the caliph. Um, so, shadows and light, he says in chapter 1. Uh, Robert Spencer. Did Muhammad exist? It is a question that few have thought to ask or dared to ask. For almost for most of the 1400 years since the Prophet of Islam is thought to have walked the earth, almost everyone has taken his existence for granted. After all, his imprint on human history is enormous. The Encyclopedia Britannia dubbed him the most successful of all prophets and religions in uh, and personal religious personalities. In his 1978 book, The Hundred, a ranking of the most influential persons in history, historian uh, Michael H. Hart put Muhammad in the top spot, explaining my choice of Muhammad to lead the list of the world's most influential persons may surprise some leaders that may be questioned by others. But he was the man in history who was, who was supremely successful on both the religious and secular levels. Uh, other historians have noted the, that extraordinarily rapid growth of the Arabian Empire in the period immediately following the Muhammad's death. The Arabian conquerors, evidently inspired by his teaching, created an empire uh, that is fewer than a hundred years stretch from Iberian Peninsula to India. Not only was the empire immense, but the cultural influence also founded on Muhammad's teaching, has been enduring as well. Moreover, Islamic literature contains an astounding proliferation of biographical material about Muhammad. In his def definitive two-volume English biogra biography of Muhammad, Muhammad at Mecca and Muhammad at Medina, the Scottish historian Montgomery Watt argues that the sheer detail contained in Islamic records of Muhammad, plus the negative features of this biography, make his story possible. Uh, however, sharply people may differ on the issues and vices of Muhammad and the value of the prophet claims. Virtually no one doubts that he was an actual person who lived in a particular time and a particular place, and more to the point, who founded one of the world's major religions. Could such a man have existed at all? In fact, considerable reason to question the historicity of Muhammad, although um, the story of Muhammad, the Quran, the early Islam is widely accepted, on close examination, the particulars of the story prove elusive. Uh, the more one looks at the origins of Islam, the less one sees. This book explores the questions that a small group of pioneering scholars have raised about the historical authenticity of the standard account of Muhammad's life and prophetic career. A thorough review of historical records provides startling indications that much if not all of what we know that Mah about Muhammad is legend, not historical fact. And this is true, my dear friends. Everything we know about Muhammad is legend. A careful investigation 
similarly suggests that the Quran is not a collection of what Muhammad presented as revelations from the one true God, but was actually constructed from already existing material, mostly from Jewish and Christian traditions. The 19th century scholar Ernest Renan confidently claimed that Islam emerged in the full light of history, uh, but in the truth, the real story of Muhammad, the Quran, and the early Islam lies deep in its shadows. It is time to bring it into light. So why embark on such an inquiry? Um, in this case, most Muslims would regard the very idea of applying historical scrutiny to the traditional account of Islam's origin as an affront. Such an inquiry raises questions about the fundamental foundational assumptions of belief of the belief system that guides more than one billion people worldwide. But the questions of this book are not intended as any kind of attack on Muslims. Rather, they are presented as an attempt to make sense of the available data comparing the traditional account of Islam's origin against what we can what can be known from historical record. Islam is a faith rooted in history. It makes historical claims. Uh, Muhammad uh, is supposed to have lived at a certain time and preached certain doctrines that he said God had delivered to him. The veracity of those claims is open to a certain extent to historical analysis. Whether Muhammad really received messages from angel Gabriel may be just judgment, but whether he lived at all is a historical one. Islam is not unique in staking, claim, in staking out its claims as historical faith or in inviting historical investigation. But, it's unique, but it is unique in not having undergone ser searching historical criticism on any significant scale. Both Judaism and Christianity have been subject to widespread scholarly investigations for more than two centuries. The 19th century biblical scholar uh, Julius Wellerhausen, a textual and historical analysis of the Torah, revolutionized the way many Christians and, and Jews looked at the origins of the scriptures. At, at the time, Wellhausen published a study in 1882. Historical criticism of Judaism and Christianity had been going on for over 100 years. The 18th century marked the beginning of the scholarly quest for the historical Jesus. Although the historical criticism or higher criticism took off during the falling century, the German theologian David Strauss uh, posted in his Das Leben Jesu, uh, The Life of Jesus, critically examined in 1835, that the miracles in the gospel were actually natural events that those anxious to believe had seen miracles. Um, many others believed that the life of Jesus, like that of any other man, ought to be open to historical criti uh, critical scrutiny. Later scholars such as Rudolf Butterman cast strong doubts on the historical value of the Gospels. Uh, some scholars asserted that the canon canonical Gospels of the New Testament were products of second Christian century and therefore were scant historical value. Others suggested that Jesus of Nazareth had never existed, even existed. Eventually, the higher critics who dated Gospels to the second century became a minority of scholars. The consensus that emerged dated the Gospels to within 40 or 60 years of death of Jesus Christ. From the gap between the life of the protagonist and their publication, many scholars concluded that the Gospels were overgrown with legendary material. They began trying to sift through available evidence in order to determine who Jesus was and what he really said and did. 
the reaction within the Christian world was mixed. Many Christians dismissed the higher criticism as an attempt to undermine their faith. Some criticized it for explosive, uh, ex excessive skepticism and one-sidedness um, regarding historical critical investigations of the gospel and historicity of Christ. Uh, but others were more receptive. Larger Protestant churches such as the uh, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Methodists, and ultimately abandoned the Christian dogma as it had hitherto been understood, espousing a vague non-dogmatic Christianity that concentrated on charitable work rather than doctrinal rigor and spirituality. Other Protestant denominations Sorry, I'm just going to open the door. Other Protestant denominations have reti retreated into fundamentalism, with which it, in its original formulation was defined assertion of historicity of the virgin birth of Christ in the resurrection and more in the face of higher critical challenges. Um, so yes, we see that there is a massive uh, uh, criticism and questioning of of other religions, other faiths, of Christianity uh, and Judaism. And yes, Christianity and Judaism is still alive, and in many areas they thrive. They survive the challenge. Can Islam survive the same historical challenge? No one knows, but has never received this treatment on nearly on the same scale. And why should Islam and its leading figures to exempt, uh, be exempt from scrutiny that has applied to other religions? As a personality, Muhammad fares leaps uh, from uh, fairly leaps from the pages of the earliest available text. What mortal hand or eyes could frame the fearsome man who would dare to create such an outsized character, so immense in his claims, his love or his loves, his hates? In addition, there is little doubt that political unification of Arabia took place around the time. Muhammad is assumed to have lived. Scholars generally agree that the Arabian warriors swept out of Arabia beginning in the second quarter of the 7th century and within a hundred years that subdued much of the Middle East, North Africa, Persia and entered India and Spain. Finally, of course, Muhammad was undeniably made a lasting impact as a teacher example to the Muslim world. Given these three points, the richly uh, detailed portrait of Muhammad found in Islamic literature, the way he seemingly inspired his successors to found a vast empire and his enduring legacy as a founder of religion that today claims more than one billion adherents. Few have thought to question Muhammad's existence. Muslims and non-Muslims alike take it for granted that he did live and he originated the faith we know as Islam. Uh, I understand the, understand the influential traditional account has, I spent more than two decades studying Islamic theology, law, and history in depth before seriously considering how much we can really know for certain about the historical reliability of what early Islamic sources say the Prophet of Islam said and, and did. But the more I examine the evidence gather, gathered by scholars who bother to apply historical criti critical methods to Islam's origin, the more I recognize how little there was to confirm this canonical story. Um, so yes, we see that there is plenty 
to question uh, Muhammad. Plenty, 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 plenty. Um, and Muhammad and, and Robert Spencer goes to why in his book, why did, um, why we need to criticize, why we need to question um, who are these people, uh, who wrote it, uh, why they're questioning from different, different angles. And he's right, he's not wrong. We all need to question, otherwise what's the use of a brain? If there's a God and he gave us a brain, it's to use it for logical purposes, to question. But all of a sudden, you know, when it comes to certain groups, they don't want us to question, but they want to use the same laws and abilities to question other religions. That's called slavery, myself. When you submit in silence, it's called slavery. It's not called religion. So whoever you are, I am my, my voice to you is question. Uh, question, uh, ask look at the 360 degrees the angles 360 angles around your junction and and build up that baggage of knowledge and you will see it's the same currents that form the waves so i'll go back to the book in 1987 i'm not reading the whole book to you just parts here and there so in 1987 uh, patricia crone published the meccan trade and the rise of islam you can get it on archives.org in which she demonstrated that one of the principal foundations of the canonical Islamic bi biography of Muhammad, its Arabian setting with Mecca, was an important center for trade, were not supported by contemporary records. The records indicate she showed that Mecca was not a major trade center at all. Crone, like Wandsberg, uh, saw Islam... Um, 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 Sorry, uh, I lost my sight. Crone, like Wandsberg, saw Islam's Arabian setting as read back to religious, religion's literature and later. Uh, as at a later date for political reasons. Nearly three decades after the publication of Meccan Trade and Rise of Islam, Canadian researcher Dan Gibson, groundbreaking early Islamic Qiblas, supported Crone's uh, findings regarding Mecca by demonstrating that earliest mocks do not face Mecca. Um, just a moment here, won't be long. Um, nearly three decades after the publication, so we have Dan Gibson's groundbreaking early Islamic Qiblas supported Crone's finding regarding Mecca by demonstrating that the earliest mosques do not face Mecca for prayer as all mosques have been constructed since the late 9th century. And I will read that book tomorrow. I will go, um, I will, um, I will go to it tomorrow for you. But yes, the Dan Gibson wrote an amazing two books, Quranic Geography and Quranic Qiblas. And Islamic early Islamic Qibla. The Qibla is a direction where Muslims face to pray. According to the canonical Islamic account, it has been set towards Mecca ever since the revelation of Quran chapter 2, verses 144, which tells Muslims to pray facing the Masjid al-Haram, the forbidden mosque, which is traditionally identified as the great mosque of Mecca. However, Gibson demonstrates that the first mosque faced Petra in Jordan rather than Mecca, suggesting uh, as does Crohn's research uh, about the actual size and importance of Mecca, the time of Muhammad is supposed to have lived in. 
that Islam's origins were not in southwestern Arabia, but elsewhere. Meanwhile, agreeing with these findings that the Quran's origin as a murky, as though it was a putative author of the prophetic conduit. Um, other modern-day scholars have undertaken a close critical examination of the Quran text itself. There are many, many other um, uh, concepts that are borrowed. Um, one author believes that the Quran reflects the theology of non-Trinitarian Christian sect that left traces on Islamic theology, notably in its um, notably uh, in its picture of Christ and the uncompromising Unitarianism. Um, so we see that there are plenty of, uh, of uh, researchers questioning different angles. Uh, Luxembourg, uh, another author, German author, argues that many of the Quran's puzzling words and phrases become clear only when they are referenced to Syriac, a dialect of Aramaic that was literally uh, the literary language of the region at the time of the Quran uh, and the time it was assembled. Through his methods, he has come to numer numerous startling conclusions. Some of his findings have won international notoriety. Most notably, the famous Quranic passages promising virgins in paradise to Islamic martyrs do not, in his reading, actually refer to virgins. The word actually translated as virgins is more accurately rendered as raisins or grapes. For this book, I um, uh, effectively, so instead of 72 virgins, there are 72 grapes. Uh, I don't agree with that part, but look, uh, that's what he says, that's what he says. Uh, there are other Muslims have indicated a greater openness to the evidence. In November 2020, the Saudi journalist Osama Yamni asserted in the Saudi publication Okaz that the Al-Aqsa Mosque was not actually located in Jerusalem. He was not, of course, referring to the structure that is called Al-Aqsa Mosque and is on the Temple Mount. He is referring to the Al-Aqsa Mosque that is mentioned in the Quran. Um, exalted is he who took his servant by night from the Al-Haram Mosque to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, whose surroundings we have blessed to show him our signs. Indeed, he is the hearing and the seeing. Uh, Surah 17, Ayah 1. The Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem had not yet been built when this verse is supposed to have been revealed to Muhammad. According to Islamic tradition, Muhammad died in 632 while Aqsa Mosque was built in 705. Either the Quranic passage refers to different fathers' mosque, or the passage itself was written long after Muhammad is supposed to have died, or both. On the traditional Islamic account, Yamani wrote, there are stories influenced by political considerations that serve purposes of that time, and sometimes claims are made that they have nothing to do with faith or falling religious dictates. Professor Mohammed uh, Sven Kalish, a German convert to Islam uh, and the first professor of Islamic theology in, in Germany, examined the work of historical critics of Islam and de determined that Mohammed never existed in the form in which the Islamic texts depict him. He revealed in 2010 that as a result he left Islam. Uh, in contrast, Khalid Abu al 
uh, El Fadal, a professor of law of the University of California, Los Angeles, has reacted to the historical criticism of Islam with fury, calling it bigotry. Um, and so there are many, many people who, who challenge this criticism of Islam. As usual, the bulk of the people, Islamic people and Isno, Ismophiles, as we say, people who subscribe to the Islamic uh, um, alliance or uh, using Islam as vote banks uh, will always be uh, unhappy about this. Um, scholars who are investigating the origins of Islam laid the foundations for the exploration of this book. They have been motivated not by hatred or bigotry or racism, but as a desire to discover the truth. Opponents of these theories and hypotheses have curious tendency to criticize them on the basis of the claims that these findings will make people think ill of Islam. David King, an author of World Maps for Finding the Direction and Distance to Mecca, Innovation and Tradition and Tradition in Islamic Science and numerous articles on the Qibla attempt to refute Dan Gibson's discoveries about the Qiblas of early mosques. Um, in a heated polemic, King writes, I am well aware of the potential damage uh, Gibson has done and can do in our field, but more seriously, Gibson's writings are guaranteed to contribute to Islamophobia, uh, or, in my, um, or in my opinion, Islamophobia, the modern way of calling people kufr, or Islamic colonial arrogance, most like it. Um, so contribute to Islamophobia among those who have no idea about the one and only civilization who really took orientation seriously uh, for over 1400 years. In, the, in, in a similar vein, in this passionate uh, work of Quranic studies by John Wonsberg, and Hagarism by Patricia Crone and Michael Cook. Uh, both these, they say that both these books pervade, pervaded by prejudice against Islam. So the people who are against the crit criticism of Islam and some not. Um, some people call it Hager, uh, bitter, openly, bitterly anti-Islamic. Who said that we have to appreciate and like a religion? Who said we have to respect a religion? It's really crazy when religion itself spits on every tom they can carry, especially Abrahamic religions. They have no uh, business asking people to respect them or submit to their authority or the interpretations of brainwashed um, pedophiles for generations, uh, to, uh, generations gone by and expect us to submit to their interpretations and say, yes, of course, we respect you. No, we're not going to respect you. We're going to challenge, we're going to use our knowledge, our intelligence, and 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 and, uh, and use our critical thinking possibilities. Um, so we see that there are many people in the, in the world who are questioning this, and this is basically what this book, Did Muhammad Exist, uh, points out too. Um, Every time you use question Islam, you'll be treated as Islamophobe. Uh, so there are many, many people here who call um, who call people who criticize Islam or question Islam or question the authenticity or authenticity of Islam as um, um, as American Islamophobes, Islamophobes, um, anything and everything that uh you know 
to to create fear and and uh, disdain and have them sh and sh and and shame them into silence. Um, so one may assume that the first and foremost source of information of Muhammad's life is the Quran, the holy book of the Quran. Yet the book actually reveals little about the life of Islam's central figure. In it, Allah frequently addresses his prophet and tells him what to say and the believers and unbelievers. Commentators and, and readers generally assume that Muhammad is in the one addressed in these cases. But that, like so much else in the field, is not, not certain. The name Muhammad actually appears in the Quran only four times. Uh, and in three of those instances, it could be used as a title, the praised one or the chosen one, rather than as a proper noun. Actually, in my opinion, it's all four. In contrast, Mo uh, Moses is mentioned by name 136 times, Abraham 79 times, even Pharaoh finds a mention 74 times. Uh, meanwhile, the messenger of Allah, or Rasul Allah, appears in various forms 300 times, uh, and the prophet, the word Nabi, 43 times. Are those all reference to Muhammad, the 7th century prophet of, of Arabia? Perhaps, certainly they have been taken as such by readers of the Quran through ages. But even if they are, they tell us little nothing about the events and circumstances in his life. Indeed, throughout the Quran, there is essentially nothing about the, his messenger beyond instances and assess and assertions of his status of an emissary of Allah and calls for believers to obey him. Three of the four times that the name Muhammad is mentioned, nothing at all is disclosed about his life. In the third chapter of the Surah of the Quran, we are told that Muhammad is nothing but a messenger, a messenger having passed on before him. Messengers have passed on before him. The Quran later says that the Messiah, son of Mary, was nothing but a Messenger. Messengers have passed on before him, it says. 5.75. The identical language suggests that the possibility that, it, that in both Surah 3, verse 144 and Surah 5, verse 75, the same person is being spoken about. That would mean that in verse 3, uh, in chapter 3, verse 144, Jesus is the figure being referred to as the praised one, that is, the Muhammad. In Surah 33, we find that Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but the messenger of Allah and the seal of prophets. The ever is Allah, uh, and ever is Allah all-knowing, all of all things knowing. This is almost certainly a specific reference to the prophet of Islam, and not simply to a prophetic figure being accorded uh, the epithet of the praised one. It is also an extremely important verse for Islamic theology. Muslim scholars have interpreted Muhammad's status as a seal of prophets to mean that uh, Muhammad is the last of the prophets uh, and that anyone who pretends to the status of prophet uh, after Muhammad is of necessity a false prophet. This doctrine accounts for the deep antipathy often expressed in violence. The traditional Islam uh, has towards later prophetic movements that arose within the Islamic media such as Baha'u'llah. Bahiyas and uh, Kadani's Ahmadis. Uh, less specific is the Quran 47.2, and those who believe and do righteous deeds and believe in what has been sent down upon Muhammad, um, and it is the truth from their Lord. He will remove from them their misdeeds and amend their condition. In this verse, Muhammad is someone who Allah has given revelations, but this could apply to any of the Quran's designated prophets 
as well as to Muhammad in particular. Um, then there's, there's a sirah, the biography of the Prophet of Islam. The earliest, even partially extant of biography of Muhammad was written by Ibn Ishaq in 773, who wrote in the latter part of the 8th century, almost uh, a century and a half after the death of the protagonist, in a setting in legendary material about Muhammad, was proliferating. And Ibn Ishaq's biography doesn't e even exist as such. Uh, it comes down to us only in the quite lengthy fragments reproduced by an even later chronicler, Ibn Hisham, who wrote in his first quarter of the 9th century and by other historians who reproduced and thereby preserved additional sections. Um, so this material is full of curiosities, beginning from the name of Muhammad itself. Um, Scholars noted that the birth of Muhammad had received the name Qutam. So her original name was Qutam. But since the Book of Allah has given the name as Ahmad, so in the Quran you have the word Ahmad and Muhammad, the tradition with slightly apologetic ulterior motive wants to hear no other. In support of this, Laman cities, uh, Laman sites, sorry, among others, 20, uh, 12, sorry, 12th century historians and jurist Ibn al-Zawai, a 13th century historian with quite similar name, uh, and even later historians who noted this uh, mention. These are all quite late sources, but much later as, uh, than a super abundance of material that gives only Muhammad as the name of the Prophet of Islam. But even so, it would be unwise to discount them entirely, for, for they raise the question of why factoids such as Muhammad originally having been named something else was invented in the first place if everyone had known for centuries without any question of all that the Prophet was named Muhammad and Muhammad alone. Uh, stories about this Qutam were incorporated into Muhammad's legend and the explanation that Muhammad was originally named Qutam was invented in order to explain away any uncomfortable questions from those who may have remembered that these stories had originally been told about someone else. This is much easier to accept that the idea that Muhammad has always been known by the name and no other until centuries later, someone decided to invent uh, for no discernible reason the notion that he had for some time been called something else. Um, so we see plenty of reasons to question even the name of Pro Prophet Muhammad, uh, from Ahmad to Qutam, um, and, and so on. Now, the, there's plenty in this book to talk about. I'm going to ask you to read the book. It's, it's very not expensive at all. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, just quickly to say, in the light of all of this, can it be said that the doctrine Jacobi refers to Muhammad at all? Um, the if you don't know what the doctrine Jacobi is, um, it is a, a Christian... Um, a Christian or Christian influenced messianic um, millenius, um you know explanation to uh, to interpretations of of that time. Um, 
It is difficult to imagine that it could refer to anyone else as prophets who wielded the sword at the conquest of the Holy Land. And armies acting on the inspiration of such prophets were not picked on the ground in 630. The documents departures from Islamic traditions regarding the date of Muhammad's death and the content of his teaching could be understood simply as misunderstandings by a Byzantine writer observing these uh, proceedings from a comfortable distance and not as evidence that Muhammad and Islam were different from then from what they are now. Uh, at the same time, there's not a single account of any kind dating from around the time that the doctrine Jacobi was written that affirms that the canonical Islamic story of Muhammad and Islam's origin. On one possibility, it is the unnamed prophet of the doctrine Jacobi was one of several such figures. Some of the historical attributes were later subsumed into the figure of the prophet of Islam under the name of one of them, Muhammad. So indeed, there is nothing dating from the time of Muhammad's activities or for a considerable period thereafter that actually tells us anything about what he was like or what he did. Um, so plenty, plenty of plenty of no, uh, of of uh, work over here or literature over here. I'm going to ask you if you if you have time, if you have the money, if you have possibilities, buy the book. Did Muhammad exist? By uh, Robert Spencer. Um, you know, you don't have to like everything. You don't have to agree with everything. You just have to look at different points of view. And it's a good read. Uh, so I would recommend it to you. Now, I talked to you in the beginning. Did Muhammad exist? What is my opinion? The answer is no, because there is no word Muhammad in the Quran. Okay, Muhammad means the praised one, the worthy one. Okay, so people moved in tribes in those days. Okay, everyone moved in tribes. They formed alliances with tribes. They had tribal alliances, tribal cousins. One tribe was a cousin of the other tribe. They moved in tribes, and ev these are matriarchal tribes. Very important to know that this time. Uh, was matriarchy okay and although they portrayed as patriarchy today but these are matriarchal time uh, there was always in the in the tribe the women were were um, in charge of the education but there was always a learned one a teacher like a guru okay who taught who who, who gained knowledge was responsible for knowledge collecting of knowledge sharing of knowledge there was always a guru uh, of that time Every tribe had it, even on the Indian subcontinent, all over the world. And these people were called teachers, what we call teachers today. So they taught the members of the tribe, the young ones, they had discussions, debates. He was a learned one, and everyone had a teacher. And that those learned ones in Arabic, okay, sorry, in Hebrew, because Muhammad is a Hebrew word, it is not an Arabic word, those uh, learned ones were called uh, the word in Hebrew was Muhammad. That's why Muhammad is not in the Quran. It is in the Old Testament. Okay, and so there could have been plenty of every. The, the The Quran is about tribes, different tribes, and the geography, geography, and the geopolitics of the time of seventh century Arabia. And there were tribes. You could see many tribes in the Quran. Each tribe would have a Muhammad. And that's why the stories don't match, because each tribe who formed the alliance with Islam would have told the story of their learned one, their preaching one, um, 
and because they would have told the stories of their um, of their learned one of the tribe, he was named as Muhammad. He, that the leader or the teacher of the tribe or the learned person would be called Muhammad. It means the praised one because only those with knowledge were praised. Uh, and and his his writings or his knowledge would have been added as a, um, as part of the Quranic revelations. And that's why you see these revelations in the Quran all about the place. They do not match because they're different tribes who have bought their ideology, their knowledge, and coded it as Muhammadun, so of the praised one, Muhammadin, of the praised one, and, and added it to the Quran. So it has nothing to do with one man at Mecca who could have been Kutamu or who could have been um, uh, Ahmed. Okay. Um, so this is about different tribes with a, a, uh, a title, given the title of uh, Muhammad, as in the learned one or the praised one, person with knowledge, um, deep, deep knowledge, and a person of the tribe who was well respected. Now, I also told you that Makkah is not mentioned in the Quran. Makkah is mentioned in the Old Testament. The Old Testament Makkah, it means um, the Old Testament Makkah means um, souls. Okay, very very clear. It means souls. I've, I've given you links to this in the Old Testament. Uh, you can look it up yourself at, at BibleHub.ca or BibleHub.com. In in the Hebrew section, uh, Makkah means source. Why? Because they are on a geographical fault line, and that means a lot of um, a lot of a uh, um, volcanic eruptions, a lot of uh, natural disasters, and there would be a lot of pandemics in the area. So they always had to isolate, isolate, clean, isolate, clean, make sure they were, you know, they, they were covered up, they were not uh, able to, to attract any diseases. Anyone who, who attracted, who, who got sick, who got sores, who got leprosy, were considered cursed by God, and they were sent to um, they were sent to a leprosy colony. That means uh, um, a colony a little distance away from a main tribal zone or from a main urban zone or, main, uh, or from an oasis where people were sent there to die and starve to death and die, basically. And that is what, um, that is what uh, a Makkah is. There were many Makkahs all over the Arabian subcontinent. This is because of the geography of this land and the institutionalization of the geography and the ignorance around it by the Hebrew tribes. So everyone would have practiced it. And anyone who was learned, now remember I have told you before that the uh, he, the the people, you didn't have to believe in, in, in Judaism or you didn't have to believe in a religion to know that someone who was who was sick, who had sores, just like the pandemic time, COVID pandemic of today, if you got in touch, you would get sick and he would die because there was no medicines. So they were sent to these zones called the Makkahs and anyone who had knowledge, anyone who was a learned one would obviously not get sick in their opinion and he would never be sent to Makkah. So someone who was in Mecca was someone who got sick, who had a, was pandemic, who had a virus, who had to isolate all the time. That's why you had the Hira cave and Muhammad would go and, and, and pray. And people say, well, he got, he got inspiration from Angel Gabriel. No, he was isolating. Just like anything else, he had to isolate. 
And the isolations in those days was six days and the seventh day you uh, kept your Sabbath um, and, and joined your tribe and went back. But this is exactly what we do today, six to seven days. Um, unfortunately, uh, it is what it is. Um, so there were many Makkahs. Anyone who was a Muhammad, who was a praised one, who was a noble one, that means he had the knowledge of the of the divine and how to keep himself clean, how not to attract, uh, how how not to um, how how to distance himself, how not to come in contact with people who were unclean. Um, and a Muhammad would never be at Makkah, never be at Makkah, because Makkah was a place of sores, a leprosy colony. Um, and a Muhammad would never be at Mecca. I mean, there was someone in Mecca, but he was not Muhammad. Okay, definitely not Muhammad. A Muhammad would never be at Mecca. So this person, who we don't know his name, would be there uh, with a different name, but they conventionally and and very convincingly changed the name to Muhammad, not knowing what they are saying, not knowing what they are asking for, um, and basically that's it. Uh, so, no, Muhammad does not exist. There was a man, but his name was not Muhammad. Uh, and no, Muhammad would be sent to Mecca, that is for sure. We would, would even be born there uh, because someone who got sick was not praiseworthy as in the eyes of the ancients. So, this is my little story for today. I hope you had a good time. The book is called. Um, the book is called. Sorry. Did Muhammad Exist? Okay. By Robert Spencer. Go ahead, buy it. And if you have time and 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 take a take a time to read it, it's very good. Uh, remember, all the knowledge from all the angles we get is very important. Even if you don't like it, you don't agree with it, read it. Empower yourself with knowledge. Heal, my friends. It's important to heal and reconcile with the energies of the world. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations to all the athletes in the Indian uh, at the Indian subcontinent at the Indian uh, at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. All the athletes from all over the world, especially the Indian athletes. Um, and if you have not seen uh, Avinash Savli's uh, 3,000 meter steeplechase event today, go on YouTube, see it because it's amazing. It'll make you shiver. It was so good. He was just fantastic. And I was just saying, come on, tell her, tell her, tell her, And it was great. I saw it. It was beautiful. And I wish a lot of success to him and all the athletes for the generations come. Thank you very much, everyone. Stay safe and peace.